Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson, and this is the place where I have the privilege week after week of helping dads become heroes, especially when it comes to the dad-daughter relationship. But as we all know, the skills that we use that navigate one relationship usually change us in the process, right? And then it translates to other relationships. So really, this is a conversation that supports relational health. That's really my heart. So for starters, you guys know by now that I say on your mark, get set, go. That's the grid that I use every week where you as fathers picture yourself standing side by side, ready to run your fathering race. I'm your coach on the side. I've got a couple guest coaches today that you'll meet in a minute where we are standing there saying, dads, come on, you can do it. On your mark is the topic. Get set. We're going to fill that in with stories and stats. And then go. We're going to end with giving you a practical go step this week to put your heart of love for your daughters and your sons into action. Well, today on the program, we are going to hear from a dad who happens to be one of my pastors, Pastor Keith Jenkins, also known as PK, and his daughter, Keisha Medina. So a quick backstory to when I first met him. I want to tell you this. I think you're going to appreciate his heart when you hear the story. And Keith, I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of years ago, it was you came to speak at Beaverton Foursquare one Sunday morning. You were living in L.A. at the time, pastoring a church. And after the service, we got to talking. And you were hearing about my heart for dads of daughters. And you shared that you're the same way. You love investing in fathers because you are a dad to one adult son, two adult daughters. And so we were getting to talking. And you told me that just that week, you'd encouraged a dad to write a love letter to his daughter and then report back to you. You remember that? I do. Yeah. I do. And when you told him, okay, show me what you've written afterwards, you told me that it was what? Like, a, it was like a college pep talk oh, kind yeah, of a yeah. letter. So, so cerebral, no heart. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing from the heart. No, at nothing all. from, and you were like, no, 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 this isn't going to work. <laughs> and so you ended up like having to write the letter for him. And I just, I share that story with all of you listening, just to illustrate the fact that this is a man who's been mentoring men for over 20 years. He served in the Marine Corps for 10 years, as well as being in roles as youth pastor associate pastor, lead pastor, all the way from Eugene to LA, now in Portland. And you've served Keith as a mentor father figure for the University of Oregon basketball and football teams for a long time, 97 to 2009. You've been a missional director of the greater Los Angeles district for Foursquare. And you've also been married to the love of your life, Coco, for 30 years. And you have a contagious passion for Christ. And then your daughter, Keisha, as I shared, she's married. She's mom to Alara. And she's worked for her dad, even on staff. We're going to hear maybe about that today. And they will both be sharing their stories with us. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Hi there. Welcome. So Hey, it's yeah. so good to see you. It's good to be here. Well, it's great to have you. To this. Awesome. Yeah, we've yeah. been all waiting, preparing for this for a while. So I'm so glad you guys made time out of your busy schedules to be here. Mm. Well, on your mark today, the title is Staying Connected Through Thick and Thin, because you guys have been through it, Yeah. Yes, intensely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, there you go. Well, the get set part is I know we can all relate when people open their hearts and their stories. So let's get to it. Keith, let's start with you. How about we go way back? I'd love to just hear some of your backstory about you with your dad and growing up. Yeah, you know, my dad was a um, two-tour Vietnam veteran. My mom uh, got pregnant um, in 1966 with me and my dad left to go do two tours and he came back with PTSD. We didn't know Mm. and struggled with some addiction as well. So I don't know that I was handed much 
um, from my father in in that respect, uh, more of an example of what not to do in that regard. There was some violence growing up, um, those type of things. And my mom and him got divorced when I were real, was really young. So didn't get to see that. But the one um, husband model that I have is my great, great grandfather. And um, he was the quintessential husband to my grandmother and also father to me, father figure to me, but he was my great grandfather. So that's where a lot of um, my ideas have come from about how to go about fathering and loving my daughters as well. Wow. I so appreciate you saying that because that's very much the same story as my dad. Mm. It was his grandfather that was military and then he went in the military. Yeah. But his dad as an alcoholic died as one never really knew how to be a dad. Mm. Right. And so I think you're just living proof that you can move past the hand you were dealt. Yeah. So for me, you know, because my, when, when the kids started coming along, I did not want to repeat the patterns that I'd seen and experienced. And so to be honest with you, I've read everything that I could read um, about fathering. I listened to tapes. Um, I did everything I possibly could to try to figure it out. Um, you know, we have, we have one boy and two girls. And so I, I didn't want to screw it up. It was the biggest role in my life. Yeah. Um, the biggest desire of my life was to be a good father. And so I hadn't been handed much, but, um, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to sort of break those chains and write a new story. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> preach it, yeah. preach it, brother. Thank goodness. <laughs> exactly. Daughter saying that. Well, your firstborn, Keith, is a son. Like you say, you have two daughters. What do you remember? Since Keith is sitting here, what do you remember? Go all the way back in, in that video yeah. vault oh, yes. in your brain. Tell me all the good stuff. <laughs> what was that like when you brought her home, got well, to look at her? You know, obviously, Keith Jr. was first. And so having a boy is, has a certain... Um, thing in your heart as a, as a dad. And so he and I, you know, experienced those moments. I was at all three of their births. I was fortunate enough as a man and a military guy to mm. be present when all three of them were born. But, but I can remember distinctly uh, when Keisha was born. Um, first of all, I was nervous when we found out it was a girl. Cause you know, I'm this guy, I'm a Marine. And like, what do I do with a girl? Like I knew what to do with Keith Jr. Kind of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sort of. So I had some ideas about what to do with a, a little boy, but what do you do with a little girl? And and I remember when, because Coco had a C-section with, with uh, Keith was born from before I got married, and Coco and I have Jocelyn and Keisha together. And I can remember, um, first of all, 18 hours worth of labor waiting for Coco, getting ice chips thrown at me from her. <laughs> and, and then, they, you know, we go in and they have this big curtain or this big cloth up, and they say yeah. it's a girl, and they hand her to me. And, and... You know, it makes me emotional thinking about it. I didn't know it was going to happen, but um, the minute that I saw her, I say this, I, I fell in love with her. I, there, there's a love for her that mm-hmm. I had in that moment that I, I can't really articulate. There oh, was man, a we're all getting emotional happening. here. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it, beautiful. It struck my heart in a in a unique way. Oh, I love that. Isn't that cool to hear? Yeah, and it's it's also nostalgic because now I know that feeling because I have my own daughter and I remember being seeing her for the first time and the instant it's instantaneous, the love that you have for your daughter. So I think now we're in a place where, you know, I know some of the things he's gone through just five months worth. You know, I haven't gotten to all the crazy part yet, but teenage years are coming. You'll know my pain. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, great segue. Speaking of the teenage years, you're saying it's good now. It started really sweet, but there was a rough period in between that where it was a little bit harder. So Keisha, I want to go to you. What do you remember? Let's go back to even those growing up years. What was it like with you and your dad? Um, The formative years, childhood years. I think it was more like, 
cake. That was like the smooth part. <laughs> I wanted to be like dad. So I was a tomboy. Like we ate meat together. We watched sports together. You know, that was everything together. If he was doing yard work, I put on my overalls and I was doing yard work. It was everything together. Yeah. I think when you get past <laughs> when when girls get past that age of um, adolescence and you're going into high school years, you start to become more feminine and you mm-hmm. want to do your own thing. You're becoming a woman. That's where we started to segue and become more uh, butt heads and rub each other the wrong way. Combative. Oh, combative. Well, I mean, it could be from anything from what I was wearing to um, the way my attitude was. Be honest. We're, the the reason that we struggled in that way is because we're alike. She is strong willed, determined, and I was trying to direct her life a certain way at that time, as dads right. tend to do. And and you were trying to exert a little autonomy. And, and as they grow older, they're trying to get free a little bit. And and yeah. I, to be honest with you, you wanted to be with your friends a lot more, and I was losing. My little buddy. Oh, we had some times with the whole separation of <laughs> father and daughter. That was uh, from marriage to boyfriends and all those kind of things. Yeah. I think that fathers and daughters really go through a separation, especially when you're as close as my dad and mm-hmm. I were when we when I was younger. Yeah. You know, when I got to the point where, oh, I have a job now and I want to have friends. And we noticed a quite yeah. a shift in our relationship in those times because of the growing Michelle nobody yeah. told me this was gonna shift overnight like it did. seriously <laughs> like like it went overnight for me wow. it felt like overnight I could go it was it was remember it because I could go into the bathroom at any time and see you and then all of a sudden yeah boom I opened the bathroom <laughs> door and she's like covering herself dad what are you doing I'm like what just happened? I didn't I get the, the memo. Like, I'm embarrassed <laughs> I'm like what did I do did I just did I just violate my daughter I ran down the hallway and told her mom I'm like what just happened? It's like I didn't have uh, to knock yesterday. And our relationship, nobody told me that it was going to shift like it did. Yeah. She, she was moving into puberty. I was unprepared for it. She was, I was no longer the love. Of, I was the love of her life, but she has some other loves now yeah. coming into yeah. life. She felt like boys were hot all of a sudden. And not when dad. When they were yucky before. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like, nobody, not dad. nobody prepared me for this. Well, what do you wish you would have known then that you know now? Well, one of the things that I that that I I, I instinctively knew is that there was a, a a time as she was blossoming that she was still looking for my affection. She wanted it. She needed it. In fact, mm-hmm. her my appropriate touch, my appropriate affirmation of her um, as she was developing her sexuality and developing as a as a young woman, she still needed that. So there was a place I just needed to transition to that place. I wish I would have known then that there was a rightful place. I was still in, in involved, but I needed to make room for her development. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't so much about my relationship with her anymore. It should have been more about how do I now facilitate her to begin to have these other experiences and know that our relationship is still solid. Yeah, she's not completely rejecting you. She's right. just flapping her wings and right. Right, coming out of but the But when you hold nest. on, when you hold on, <laughs> That's the then it becomes uh, an adversarial relationship. It becomes hurtful for that because I don't understand because I'm trying to protect you and hold on to you. When in essence, I needed just just like you said, to give her room to begin to flap her wings, but also come around her and be there to uh-huh. come, you know, to when she falls, when she falls, right, right, Absolutely. right, giving space 
yeah. for them to grow. But I mean, if you think about it, how does a father really know when it's his first daughter, you know, exactly. first time flying? So yeah, where's that course, manual? So I think <laughs> I got it worse than what Jocelyn's going to get because I went yeah. through it first. I'm an oldest, so <laughs> right. I feel you. Right. Yeah. So she should be good to go. I think I got him nice and practiced. <laughs> He's ready to go. He's worked in. He's ready yeah. to go now. It's well, true. go back. I remember one of the things when you and I were talking beforehand is that you talked about what it felt like to disappoint your dad yeah. back in adolescence. Yeah. Talk I about think that. That was more of my discipline than probably any kind of grounding, spanking, anything like that. Yeah. For me, it was disappointment because I am A-type. I want to please. I aim to please, and which can be a pro and con, by the way. Um, but for me, it was just I never wanted to do anything that... Um, would disappoint my parents in thinking that, you know, I was less than or anything like that. And I think it was really difficult growing up because you're always going to make mistakes. Right. So every time I made a mistake, I'm like, oh, I disappointed them and my life was over, you know, but then, you know, he always came in. I think there was, that was one of the best things as far as our discipline, even though he wasn't a great disciplinarian because he was such a big mush ball. He tried to be all Marine Corps, tried to be Marine Corps hard. Hey, You're grounded. Hey, and then US that Marine, night, that night we're watching TV together, cuddled up on the couch, you know? Right. So, but that beginning of that, you know, trying to um, learn that it's okay to make a mistake and they never made it to a point to where it was not okay to fall. You know, mm-hmm. we always had a soft place to fall, which is really important for children and for young people, because a lot of times they feel like they can't make a mistake. And right. if they make a mistake, then, you know, not, they can't do X, Y, Z yeah. to ever get back. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. Yeah. Favor. Exactly. And, and we I didn't experience good discipline uh, as coming up from my father. I can remember it being um, out of frustration, anger, that type of thing. And so I was very um, reluctant, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. To discipline them, I wasn't very physical with yeah, them. We could feel but, that. But one of the things that that I, I think I learned often that just because I was an older, wiser, supposedly the dad of the house, that I could still make mistakes in disciplining them and how I was raising them. And and I can remember on more than one occasion um, being on one knee in front of one of the their little faces, mm-hmm. saying, "I'm sorry, mm-hmm. that that wasn't fair, Dad." that I was frustrated. I mm-hmm. was angry and I shouldn't have spoken to you that way. That was the one thing with him was anytime he made a mistake, it was instant, almost instantaneous that there was him seeking forgiveness or um, telling us daddy made a mistake this time. You know, I should not have talked to you like that. I shouldn't have done this. And so I think that made the relationship much more open to where we felt it was okay. Like I could make a mistake and I could ask for forgiveness. We learned what asking for forgiveness was and apologizing. We, that's how we learned it was because it was modeled by our father. Yeah. Dad isn't perfect. So we don't have to be perfect. Let's all admit that together. Exactly. But but it was such a struggle because as a dad, you, am I ruining my kids? And especially with the with the history of not having a dad, am, am I going to be estranged from them at some point? Am I putting the right things in them? So it was it was sort of I, w- I was honestly dependent on the Lord's relationship with me and looking at how he fathered mm. me versus what I'm doing with them and tried to use that as as a good rule because I didn't have anything to really measure by. I mean, I grew up in the leave it to beaver era, but but I wasn't leave it to beaver. So mm. I needed to figure out what was going to work. Um, in relationship with me, I had my own woundedness that I was still processing and getting through. And, you know, my wife said to me, you know, at one time early on, she said, you know, your history doesn't have to define you. And and that That's really good. helped liberate me in a sense, because I was always striving to be a good mm-hmm. dad. 
um, under the shadow of I don't want to be like the dad that I had, that yeah. I experienced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Lord really helped, to be honest with Which you. Which was their getting down on one knee. That Absolutely. wasn't the model you had. Right. No. right. Thinking back to high school, mm-hmm. what was it like to have your dad? What impact did that have at you then? Even though you were bonking heads and yeah. he wasn't getting you a lot of the time, you yeah. were his first daughter. What impact did it actually have in the inside when your dad did that? It's completely a different lifestyle than many of the girls at my school had. They don't have fathers at home. So I had a dad who every Valentine's Day brought me a gift to Valentine's Day and made it like didn't just leave it in the office. He (laughs) came and found me at one of the social times. So I was always different, I guess, in a sense than the other children there because they didn't have daddies. Wow. So it was an extremely important role in the fact that. He was always there as a just as the minimum. He's there. Not the fact that he went above and beyond to do everything to show us what a man in our life should be. Amen. Yeah. So it's just having that in and of itself was completely different than everybody else. PK, what's making you tear up about hearing that story? You know, in the moment, you're just trying to figure it out. He's just trying to get through the day, trying to make a living. Yeah. Uh, keep a roof over their head yeah. and um, making mistakes. And so to hear her in retrospect, mm-hmm. look back on those years, the way that she was, um, I just knew that I didn't want my little girls to be in a situation where they ever doubted my love for them. Even though I was making mistakes as a dad, I never mm-hmm. wanted them to ever mm-hmm. think that yeah. they didn't have this guy in their life that yeah. was insanely yeah. crazy <laughs> in love with them. Wow. And, um, I used to embarrass them, pulling them up to school. (laughs) They would get out of the car. And just as they're walking with all of the kids, I would be like, hey, your dad loves you. I love you. Oh, yeah. They'd be walking away. Dad, stop. Okay, there's a go step for dads. Just do it. Embarrass them. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely They'll remember it forever. Yeah. Yep. Okay, well, let's transition to you said that senior year of high school, you got a diagnosis that changed everything. Yes. I was diagnosed with us. Systemic lupus erythematosus when I was a senior in high school, which is lupus, formerly known mm-hmm. as lupus. Mm-hmm. Um, I We believe I got it genetically from his aunt, okay, um, my father's aunt, and she had a really rough go at it with she it. She passed away from it. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. um, so obviously that triggered something in dad, triggered something in me because I had heard slight stories about it, but pretty much all I knew was this. Auntie died <laughs> from what you have. Oh, right. my goodness. Oh, yeah. So yeah. actually, he was with me when we got the diagnosis. And I believe it started to separate us. That was another portion in our relationship where we began to separate a little bit. He was I could see that he was scared. Yeah, I could mm. see the fear. Um, he but wasn't, he wasn't talking about it. He no. wasn't talking about okay. it. I, I didn't know how to talk about it. There I, you I, go. I was there. I didn't get a chance. To, the, the thing with that is I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to my aunt. She was the one that I was the closest to. She died in childbirth. So I had oh. to literally, I'm having this whole issue with Keisha, who is my my daughter. We have a special bond, a unique relationship, and now she's suffering. But then Coco, you know, sort of came in. Mom came in to, to really be what she needed because there was a lot of times she needed to be examined and different things. Uh-huh, and it wasn't uh-huh. appropriate for me to yeah. be there. And so I felt myself being moved further and further back. But I also... Pulled myself back. Yeah, right. I did. I yeah. didn't know how to articulate. I what had I was to feeling. tell him, "Hey, like I understand, mom needs to be there in portions, but I need you to step up and be there, the strong part <laughs> for me. Like I can't. I, it was really bad to the point to where you know they were making life decisions for me while I was really sick. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we were in hospitals for months at a time, um, several severe cases, and I was like, Dad, like 
mom is the soft landing. You got to pull me up because mm. I have to be able to move forward. Yeah. I have to mm. pick up my bootstraps and you're that guy. I need the military yeah. daddy yeah. to the, help me. A I little. mean, that helped me. That, that, that really helped me because I didn't know what to do because look, I'm dad. So anything that goes bump in the night, I can usually make go away. Right. So I'm going to defend the house. Lupus was an enemy that I had no ability to to wrestle with. Oh. I had no ability to subdue. So Yeah, like she, I can't conquer this one. No, just this is yeah. not this is not the, the teddy bear at night, the shadow in the window. This is a real thing. This yeah. is life or death. Yeah. I love that you told your dad what you needed. Yeah. Because you're saying mom and dad play different roles, but I couldn't just do this with mom. Yeah. yeah. And I feel like girls, you know, young women need to tell their father sometimes, hey, I need X, Y, Z, because honestly, let's be real. Men need a step by step, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's the truth, though. Like, yeah. if you build me a map, yes. show me a map yes. to your heart. I'll follow it. I know what to yes. do. OK, pull you up. So this is what we need to do today to get through this day. What is our next yeah. goal? So we started setting goals about how to get through these moments. And our together. mantra became, OK, Keisha, you need to figure out your new normal, right. because everything um. I had planned for my life before right. that. Kind of uh, right. lupus took all that away. Wow. So dad was like, okay, new normal. What's yep. Keisha's new normal? And, and so what we was one of there. the things you told him you needed? Um, well, I told him I needed, I know he didn't really want to, but I needed him to sometimes be in those doctor's yes. appointments. That was okay. difficult for him. Be present. Uh-huh. I needed Show him to up. be present in, in yeah. those places when we got bad diagnosis, when we got yeah. bad news, which was very often. Like okay. if we went to the doctor's office, we were getting something bad. Yeah. Yeah. How did you push past your fear, your history with your aunt to be there? You know, two things. One, I never wanted to abandon my kids. Uh So it felt Uh like emotional abandonment in those moments to her. Mm -hmm. And as she called that out of me. And then secondly, you know, honestly, I would just lean on the Lord and just in those appointments, just say, Lord, I need you to help me to be what she needs. Uh Because it was was, I was literally scared and didn't know how to get through it. Wow. Oh, you guys. We worshiped through it. We prayed through it. Yeah. We cried through it. Uh, we and held laughed. on to each other. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And laughed. Absolutely. And thank you for telling that story, because I think for dads listening that may be in a rough patch with their daughter yeah. due to, to a, a diagnosis or a, yeah. a family crisis or just personalities that you guys are saying, you get close later. Just weather the storm. Don't give oh, yeah. up. That's the Marine yeah. mentality. Yeah. You know, just yeah. just step up and yeah. do it. Do what you got to do. Hold wow. on to each other tightly and to get through it. Yeah. yeah. And it gets better and gra- gets better and grandbabies oh, are coming. Come on. That's come on. Make everything better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we've got a little surprise for you, PK, that you don't know about. Okay. Your daughter wants to read you something that she's prepared just from her heart to you. You two are I, for the most part, just wanted to say thank you. Um um, thank you for doing what you needed to do as a father. Thank you for building me up when I was torn down, um, for helping me to find new dreams in myself because lupus stole a lot. Mm. Um, so I wanted to thank you for everything that you ever brought to our lives for being my first love, um, for always being the daddy that every girl was jealous of in my school for making me feel like the most beautiful girl in the world, um, for teaching me and showing me what my husband should be, um, for helping me to pick my husband. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and for being a great grandfather to your granddaughter. Thanks. Man. And we love you. Oh, what's that mean to your heart? That's all I need. Yeah. I don't have, I don't have anything to build. Um, it's not crowds for me as a pastor, Absolutely. building buildings, those type of things. I never yeah. wanted to win the world and fail at home. And so hearing her say that 
checks that box. So now mm. I just have to hear Lara say it too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it goes even farther. So that's kind of like that's my next challenge is how to let Seth. Her daddy be the daddy oh, and I'll be the granddaddy point. and step back and support oh, that. So now oh. I have to go through another transition. And wow. I'm the first one to go through it. Yay! <laughs> Again! Again! <laughs> Again! Wow. Well, you're just listening in. You're hearing from Pastor Keith Jenkins and his daughter, Keisha Medina, today, where we're talking about how to survive and weather the storms. The title today on your mark, Staying Connected Through Thick and Thin. Well, I want to end with one last go step. You heard me say, we always got to put this into practical right. application form where where dads can really put their love into action. Keisha, let's start with you. If you could tell dads one thing of how to reach their daughter's hearts, what would you say? I would say we as girls love to talk. <laughs> Let them communicate to you. Um, make it a point to sit down with your daughters. Um, ask them questions that require more than a yes or no answer. So it's a conversation. They want to talk. So if you stifle that, that shuts down your segue into their lives. Talk to them. Talk to them. Excellent. How about you, Pastor Keith? Find a thing, find a place. Find something you enjoy doing together and a place you enjoy doing it and go do it. Coco and I mean, Keisha and I and Jocelyn have always had dates. We have different things. Each one of my daughters, my daughters are completely (laughs) different. And so Keisha and I have certain things we like to do and do those things frequently. Go as much as you can. Do the thing at the place you love to do it. And you initiate. And I initiate because so I'm So it comes the guy. from dad. But, but that, that doesn't mean that she doesn't have responsibility. And she says to me often, hey, don't forget, just because I'm married doesn't mean I don't mm-hmm. want to date. That's right. Woohoo! Yeah. Rock on, you guys. Well, thank you so much for being here. And just know as you're listening today that you're being inspired by a dad and a daughter that have weathered the storms and come out the other side. So dads, there's hope that it's going to get better if you hang in there. So you can always write me at drmichelle at thedadwhisperer.com. Tell me things you'd like me to cover. You can always go to my website at drmichellewatson.com where I have free resources for you. You can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blog. And if you've enjoyed this conversation, you can even go to iTunes under the Dad Whisper. Well, thanks for joining us today. It's been a joy to have you here. Dads, get out there. Put your heart of love for your daughters into action. Go Dads. Go Dads.